Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Friends don't let friends pay full price for furniture. And guess what? We're friends. We are STR besties. And that is why I am not going to let you jump off of this podcast episode without joining Minoan. Minoan is a 100% free service for hosts to use that allows you to shop from your favorite furniture brands. The ones that are always on your wish list, always on your mood board, but you think that they're out of price. Pottery Barn, Crate and Barrel, Parachute Linens. Yeah, those ones. Guess what? You can shop those at 30, 40, 50, even 60% off with Minoan, which again is a completely free service to use. All you have to do is shop on your favorite websites, install the Minoan Chrome extension before you do, and anytime that you are on a partnered website of Minoan, you will see the little Chrome extension pop up. That means that you can get discounts on that furniture. Instead of adding it to cart on the Pottery Barn site, add it to cart on your Minoan dashboard, request a quote, and see those discounts roll in. If you're sitting there and you're like, okay, Natalie, this sounds amazing, sounds too good to be true, but I don't know what to shop for. I don't know how to put a room together. I'm not a designer and I don't have a good eye for that. Fear not, because right now you can go to the Minoan dashboard and shop the Level Up Your Listing and Minoan Get the Look brand collaboration. This was Tatiana, Taylor Tate, and myself who went through and put together a completely done-for-you design featuring two bedrooms, a living room, a dining room, and an outdoor space all using products that you can get discounts on through Minoan. We took all of the guesswork out for you down to the quantity and the number of things that you need to order to fit your space. So go to the Minoan dashboard, you will see our banner image pop up and click on the Level Up Your Listing brand collaboration where you can get the look that we put together with some of our favorite pieces from our favorite brands that are currently trending right now. So you know that your listing is going to look fabulous. Pick and choose whatever you want. You do not have to order from the entire collection that we put together, but it's a really good starting point if you are feeling lost on how to style your place. Tatiana and I had so much fun putting these looks together. So if you need a little bit of inspiration, go ahead to Minoan today at the link in my show notes so that you can go start shopping for yourself and check out that collaboration we did so you can get the look. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer, and today I have on one of my friends from my Taco Tuesday monthly STR girl gang, Mercedes Sanchez from MBX Homes. Mercedes has a co-hosting property management empire that she started in LA of all places, which we'll get into because as somebody who's a Southern California native, I have like extreme fears about hosting in LA with the regulation and just the crime and everything and the taxes there. So I'm excited to get into that with her. But Mercedes, welcome so much to the show. And do you want to give us a little bit of your backstory? All you do is co-host and property manage. You do not own any properties and you're crushing it. 
give us give us like the background on this. How did you get into this? I feel like most people own a property and then from there they're like, oh, I could manage for other people, but you are just strictly managing for others. So walk us through how you found this. Yes. Well, thanks, Natalie, for having me on. And yes, we do a Taco Tuesday once a month. And we just talk all things Airbnb, which is great because sometimes you feel a little alone in this industry because we don't have coworkers. But yeah, so we only co-host in LA. And it's kind of wild. It's a really different market. You threw a lot at me, Natalie. Okay, so we are. I know, I threw a lot at you. (laughs) Just give me here. Give me the intro first. Give me your backstory and how you got into this. There you go. So I actually come from hospitality. I worked for Four Seasons Resorts for eight years. I actually still consult with them till this day. Of course, COVID happens. Everyone loses their job. I actually, at the time of of COVID, was opening the latest Four Seasons in Cabo. So I was based in LA. I got to come back home, based in LA, and I was just flying to and from Cabo literally three times a month. So that was interesting. Borders closed, lost the job, and I'm like, what am I going to do? My uncle actually had a vacant apartment building, and a lot of you guys don't realize that in LA, people moved away during COVID. You Mm -hmm. know, a lot of the apartments are filled with people who are bartenders and aspiring actors and actresses and like The cliches are true. Like that's actually who lives in LA. So these apartments were just sitting empty and I was like, let's make an Airbnb. And being the landlord, he is very old school. He's like, absolutely not. Like, it's not going to be an Airbnb. No. So sorry, this apartment was your, or you were arbitraging this? My uncle just owned the building. Okay. Your uncle owns the building and you had nothing to do with it. It's just after you lost your four seasons job, you're like, this is empty. Can I do something with this? Yeah. I mean, it was empty at this point, probably for like seven months. Okay. Like just losing money, just sitting empty. Like we've had showings. I want to move it in. I was like, let's just furnish it and make it an Airbnb. And I had zero idea what I was doing. Like when I tell you clueless, I was like, let's just put furniture on it, take some great photos and put it on the platform and get people in. Sounds like a hotel to me. Sounds kind of fun. I had no idea about regulations. That STR turned into an MTR real quick because <laughs> we couldn't Airbnb it. it like, what city was this in? LA. like it, Los Angeles proper. Okay. Proper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's so many regulations. I had zero idea. Airbnb doesn't even let you host under 30 nights. Yeah. Like, it literally blocks your calendar. It's like, no. <laughs> So we turn into this money-making, MTR, travel nurses, tech, like anybody you could think about was booking it. And till this day, it's super successful. Have you refurnished it or anything? Like you say you didn't know what you were doing at the time. So It now... was cute. It was okay. cute. Okay? okay. It was very cute. It was actually all my stuff that was in storage because I was in Mexico. So I didn't even have an apartment. I was like couch surfing between friends and family because I was always in Mexico. So I had all my stuff in storage. So I was like, listen, we have the furniture. We might as well pull that furniture and make it super cute in the Airbnb or in the apartment. But it is time to refurnish it. It's been three years. So that is actually a project we're going to do in July. Okay. Okay. So that's how the first one started. And it was quickly turned into an MTR. Where did we go from there? (laughs) I loved it. And I'm a person who can't stay still. So I was like, I could do this for other people. And that's when I kind of realized like Airbnb was getting a buzz. Clubhouse was a big thing during COVID. So I was like on Clubhouse and I was like listening to people and I was like, okay, like we can do this for other people's properties and like I can make money. I put myself on like Facebook groups. I was on Thumbtack as a property manager. Mm -hmm. 
literally oh, just promoting a ton of services that we could do in that space. So I was a stager. I was a runner. I was a restocker. I was an inspector. Never a cleaner. You don't I, wanna, want to clean. I just want to pause. Sorry. I've never heard of anybody advertising their services on Thumbtack like this. That is so smart because I feel realtors, like so many people... even like literally realtors get clients off Thumbtack. I had no idea. But that's so smart because I feel like so many people, their instant thing is like, oh, I'm starting a business. I need to get a website and a business card and like pay a branding person to do all of this. And it's like, nobody's going to know. This is the same, my same gripe with direct booking that I always have is like, people are on Airbnb. I have no problem with you starting a direct booking site, but that's just not where people are going to find you to start out. And so that's so smart. You applied the same like, you know, gig economy mentality to like thumbtack or something and just advertising your services where people already are. I love that. Do they take a commission or anything? Or that's just a lead generator? They do. They do. And it does get a little pricey because it is per lead. So, okay. I mean, I think I still owe like 90 bucks on that, but oh, (laughs) like, no, like, you do. I mean, but you do have to pay to like advertise. Okay. But Facebook, but if you land one property management client from there, that's, yeah, that pays for itself. Yeah. And my biggest client came from Thumbtack. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Okay. And then, Thumbtack. Wow. Okay. And then where else would you be? Facebook groups and yeah, Facebook groups. And then just like a lot of word of mouth. I mean, okay. even just connecting with cleaners and like cleaners know people. Like, yes. my cleaners have referred me to owners to manage. Yes. Yes. And my cleaners are also the ones who will be like, oh, I need an electrician. Oh, we just finished cleaning a house and they yeah. use like this electrician, this painter. Cleaners know everybody. They know everyone. <laughs> and they love to like refer people and like keep a little family. So yep. you, I feel like if you were trying to make something out of yourself, you just got to talk, like network and talk and like put yourself out there. Cause like the worst is going to be a no. And especially if like you don't know how to do something, if you have like the confidence in yourself, you can learn and just do it. Fake it till yep. you make it, honestly. Fake it till you make it. Okay. All right. Carry on. Actually, before you carry on, can we go back to your uncle really quick? I'm yeah. curious, what was the payment structure there? Did you start arbitraging that unit from him or? Okay. <laughs> there is no payment. It's family. Um, <laughs> it's okay though. But you know what? It's okay because you learned a lot. this one, I would not be where I am today. And... He has two now with me. He's about to have three with me. Um, Are you getting paid yet or no? No. <laughs> Mercedes. <laughs> but you know what? He is like father figure. He'll do. No, it's we have our own thing going on. Okay. It's fine. Okay. Little payments here and there. Little like gifts. And it's all good. <laughs> they're very easy. And they're MTRs. They're super easy to do. It's all good. Yeah. 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 No. And I think it's good to recognize that sometimes it's good to just have a unit for the, like, for the sake of building up your credibility, your yeah. learning. It was your first opportunity he gave you. So yeah, that's not for nothing. All right. Okay. So now let's talk about how you started getting money and how you found other owners yeah. to pay you. Okay. So I will say it was an evolution. <laughs> we started off as like runners, inspectors, kind of like the middleman between like the owner, the cleaner, because like the owner necessarily wasn't ready to pay a full commission. Okay. But we started charging a lot because there's, you know, there's not really a good profit margin with like being a runner from your time and your gas, like $50 equals nothing. So we started really upcharging. And then it got to the point, I was like, we're doing this for you. We're going above and beyond for you. Let us just handle your listing. And I kind of created like a little sales pitch and they said, yes. 
I love that. I've done a few episodes on co-hosting on the show. And one thing I always talk about is unless you're already owning a property and you've co-hosted or you've hosted or managed a place, no owner is just going to give you their listing outright with no experience. And I always say one of the most underrated ways to do it is start as a stager, start as a runner, start as somebody who's restocking things. And that's kind of your foot in the door to then position yourself as like, I'm already doing all of this. Let me manage it. So I'm happy to hear that that worked out for you and that's how you did it. Was it weird to transition? Like, did they not want to pay you or were they at that point just like, please just do everything. You've helped us so much. Yeah. I think they're just like, please, you helped me so much. I trust you in my home. You know, the home, like the back of your hand. And you have to remember too, these are everyday people. Like they have nine to fives. They have children. They have spouses. Like Their kids are in soccer. They don't have time to run this thing. We take over listings and I like start like going back on messages and just seeing like patterns in the listing. They don't respond for six hours later. Like there's like, no, like this is what we do. Like this is our job. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily Mm -hmm. their job. So it becomes a lot easier for them. Are most of your clients, they bought their properties as investments or are they like, what's the deal? Do they travel? Do they use these as second homes when they visit LA? What's kind of the clientele you're trying to- Yeah, I I think you hit it right like on the money actually. It's a lot of second homes. It's a lot of, you know, vacation homes, not really primary residences, obviously, but they don't come to, no one comes to LA to buy an investment home unless you're like a multimillionaire. Okay. So the margins just are not there for like cash on cash return. Okay. I mean, this is more like I'm from LA, but I now live in like in Nashville and I have, and I didn't want to sell sell it because imagine you like what these people paid for 10 years ago, they're not going to find that piece of land in that location. Okay. Now. Okay. What areas in LA County do you cover? Are you like all the way Ventura down to like I'm in Whittier, you know, like what's, what's the range? Or are you really trying to stick to like downtown? No. Anywhere. We are as far south as San Pedro, as far north as Ventura County. And now we're in Big Bear and we have a few out of state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you mostly doing at, like single family homes, apartments? What, what are the listings like in LA? Single family homes and condos. Okay. And we're more like higher tier as well. Like we have like really good, like really nice single family homes. So I'm curious, are your owners making money or because after the taxes and everything in LA and your commission, and like we said, like you don't buy in LA for cash on cash return. Like, are they walking away with money or is it mostly like, is the opportunity really there as a co-host to come and take a percentage? The opportunity is there as a co-host. And I think you have to remember, like some, like most of my owners purchased their homes like 90s, early 2000s. So okay. their mortgage is probably like between, well, I mean, it's a range of homes, but let's say an average of 5,000, we're charging anywhere from 500 to $600 a day. So they're like, you know, their net's like 13. Okay. Then commissions, taxes, they're, you know, and then they're made pocketing like nine, eight. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. But they still get to own. Yeah. They get to own property in California still. And And you're making your mortgage. And I think that's super important as an investor. Like you're going to have months where you're not going to have cash flow, but your mortgage is getting paid. Your utilities are getting paid. Not an investment. Yeah. 
So right now you have a mix of short-term rentals and midterm rentals. And is that basically just depending on the regulation of the specific city? Like if you can do STR, is that your preference or there's certain properties? Okay. Okay. I didn't know if there's certain properties where like MTR is easier. I'd rather just do that. There's some some areas where MTR does amazing. Okay. Like Woodland Hills. Oh my God. We can't have enough MTRs. <laughs> like literally. Okay, Woodland Hills. There you go. Tarzana. I cannot have enough. What's, why are people doing midterms there? There's a lot of businesses coming there. Like, I don't know if you're familiar, but like there's like Topanga Village is there now. There's a ton of new offices there. There's a lot like techs moving there. There's a lot of travel nurses going to those Kaisers okay. in that area. And there's a ton of insurance deals there. I don't know what it is. As well as like West LA, a lot of tech. Like they call it Silicon Beach. So the MTRs are getting booked like no one's business. Wow. Okay. I have to ask you, and for anyone listening who's an LA native, I'm sorry if I'm going to like offend you, but I grew up in Orange County and I feel like there's like a little feud between LA and OC. Okay. Mercedes, like when I tell you, the moment I start driving into LA, I get a panic attack. Like I just, as soon as like the traffic slows down and there's 18 freeway intersections, like I, I don't function. Like I like Orange County and I feel like I just could not host there. Like, tell me about like, have any of your guests ran into crime? Are they getting parking issues? Are they getting cars towed? Like there's just, I feel like LA is just such a hot mess. Like, and there's Literally, like, one street you can park on and then one you'll get a parking ticket. Like, here you'll get towed. Here it's $50 a day to park. Like, how – just how, like, from the guest experience does it work hosting in L.A.? I think it depends what area you're in and not – I mean, L.A. is a melting pot to mix. Like, you could be on, like, one amazing – you could be on a street and there's a Rolls Royce and, like, a beat-up Camry. Literally park next to each other in L.A. Like, that's how diverse and, like, it's so silly sometimes. We literally just set the expectation. Like you could park your car in this lot and we're not liable. Like this is what it is. We've never had a break in. Oh my gosh. Like I've never had a break in like at a home. Okay. But what I have had is a guest parked their car like in a parking garage. <laughs> like the car got stolen. But luckily we Stolen, not even towed. Stolen. Stolen. It was like found like somewhere else, like 10 miles out. Was it actually their car or like a rental car? It was a rental. Not like it matters, but like their car still got stolen on vacation. Like what a story. They're probably never going to come back to LA. And this is not, this is like a rare occasion. And also I think when you're hosting, we're not 45 properties. So when we have that many properties, like something's bound to happen. Like, yeah, it, it is what it is. Like it could happen anywhere, but just be smart. Like don't leave your purse in your car. Like don't leave your laptop. Like, you know, you also have to take precautions too. I think so many people like growing up around LA, like I know that, you know, but I think a lot of tourists who, no. I don't know if you come from like a small town, like apparently in Hawaii, people don't even like lock their doors to their house, you know? And I just wonder like it's to us, it's common sense, but I wonder for a lot of people, if it's just like, I would have never thought that somebody would literally shatter my passenger side window and take my license and registration and yeah. steal my catalytic converter off my car. Like It's so common. And I think Okay, so I come from obviously like a luxury, like Four Seasons Resorts, like we're dealing with like experienced travelers, you know, experienced, yeah, basically experienced travelers. When now I'm dealing with Airbnbs and we have like some condos, right? They're not necessarily the most experienced travelers coming. So that was actually a learning curve for me. I was like, wow, like I actually have to break it down to people. Yeah. 
Like, I mean, I've had guests literally ask me like, how far is the airport? And I'm like, Google, like, can you Google maps the address? Like it's LA. Like it could take you an hour to get to the airport from downtown. It could take you 20 minutes. It just depends. Like what time are you landing? I don't know. So you have that patience sometimes too. Yeah. And I mean, I noticed that even with like, sorry, but I noticed that even with like Big Bear, like people will just assume that there's like Uber or DoorDash there. And I'm like, there's nothing in Big Bear. (laughs) Like, you know, and you have to, it is your role as a host to as common sense as it seems to you, like it is your job as a host to kind of educate your guests and like set their expectations for sure. Is there do you have criteria with the properties you take on? I know you're more of a luxury, but are there certain zip codes you will avoid? Are there certain, I guess let's just, I'll leave that open-ended, like just break it down. Like what do you need from a property to consider it? I think now at this rate, we're a little bit more picky, but I'm more picky about the homeowner. Like if the homeowner is not willing to give me what I need, because at the end of the day, their property is my property. It's under my name. It's my portfolio. So if they're not willing to like paint the walls, clean the carpet, get a new couch that's torn up, then I'm not going to work with them. I need you and I'm to not like, dealing with those guests either who I, are going to book that. I need us to like pause and re-say like rewind. <laughs> the homeowner is more important than the home. That is yeah. so true. They're I... the most gorgeous homes all over LA. Every mm-hmm. area, there's always a need. Like people travel to different parts of LA. I'm not at all biased on what part of LA because it's all going to thrive. It's literally the type of house. Mm-hmm. Or the type of owner. Or sorry. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Type of owner. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very profound, very insightful. And I have just as well found that to be the case. I'd rather take a shittier property with a more willing owner who wants to invest and bring it up to scale than like a micromanaging or somebody who's just completely hands off. And I think that that just comes with experience. What are red flags for now that you'll see in an owner that will tell you you don't want to work with them? Is it more of a gut feeling or do you have like certain things like kind of a gut feeling? It's now it's the one that like sends me 15 text messages before 7am. Like I'm not not gonna work with you like you try to set those expectations like these are my working hours or are you just like nope you already you already failed the test bye now I do before I was so hungry that I would respond at 7 a.m and now I'm like no like we run a huge operation like I will call you at 9 a.m like email like please email me these questions like it's gonna get lost in translation it's just better for everybody to be on the same page right and I think as any business owner, you kind of need to set those expectations up front. And that's something I definitely failed at. Like there was mm-hmm. no expectations. Yeah. Um, and now I, it's like, I okay. was in the same boat. I don't even beat yourself up. You learn a lot from doing that and you learn who you want to work with and who you don't. Yeah. I made the same mistake too. There was like an owner that I remember he needed like new curtains or we wanted new curtains because we thought it would look better or something. He had those like blinds, vertical blinds that were falling. Oh. And I don't know why. Yes, those. I don't know why. I decided I could be a curtain installer. And I was like full on like hemming the curtains and everything and did it free of charge because I just was like, no, it'll look better in design. And you know how much people freaking charge to put to install drapes and come and hem them and steam them and iron them and tailor them like and I did that for free, you know, and yeah, I do that all the time. Like I did so many things for free thinking it was in goodwill. 
And now I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, like I put so many miles on my car. I That took six hours of my day and like I don't even see a return. Yeah. Now it's different when you're getting full commission for these houses and you know those curtains are really going to make a difference, but you're also making $2,000 a month off that house. Then yes, by, for sure, go install those curtains. But sure. not in the beginning because – that's the expectation the homeowner is going to get like, Oh, Natalie's going to handle it for me. Why call a handyman? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to set those boundaries like early on for sure. And it's tough because the earlier you are in the journey is the more that you want to like do things for free and prove yourself. But that's also what I found is the time to set those expectations. Cause if you go and try to edit it later, they'll be like, well, you did all this for us before. Yeah. And then it's really hard to have that conversation. Yeah, so it's a very tricky balance. At this point, I'd love to know what is your onboarding process? Will you take a property that's unfurnished or do you want turnkey and you just come in to manage it? Are you doing the setup? If you do the setup, is that an extra fee? How does it work to bring in a new property in your business? Yeah, I guess we take properties of all different like calibers and like stages that they're in. The most common is the homeowner that staged it, but like they're burnt out and like they're almost at the finish line. Like they just need like some frames and they just need like the plates and curtains, right? Like they're just so there, but they're so tired that they're like Mercedes, like here are the keys, charge me, just buy what I need to make it look pretty for photos. And we'll go from there. That seems to be like the most ideal client too, because they're not just getting like the cheapest furnishings from like Ross. (laughs) So that's always like nice. So that seems to be our client and it is an extra charge. If a client comes to us and, and needs maybe like 10 hours of work, we're just going to charge them like an hourly rate of like okay. 45 to like 65. Okay. That doesn't include like TV install, like the big stuff. Like the big stuff is extra. Okay. Do you have certain things you wouldn't touch? Like, I don't know, like landscaping or like pool cleaning. Like, is there stuff that you're like you – or if there's like an issue with their appliance, is there stuff where it's like you need to contact an appliance person and deal with this? Or are you trying to be like full service property manager? Like we'll take care of everything. I'll just charge you for it. It depends on – God, that's such a great area of questions. It really depends. The worst thing you want to do is take care of a refrigerator and then find out it's under warranty. And you just mm. charged your client $500 for that when they could have paid a deductible. So you have to be really careful as a co-host. And I see people make these mistakes all the time. Like, don't be scared that the refrigerator broke. Like, just contact the owner. Ask them if it's under warranty. Ask them if they have somebody. And if they don't, then maybe you could help them find someone. But typically, if it's a big project, I could outsource the vendor. And I let the vendor and the homeowner speak. Because ultimately, you don't own that house. And they need to make that, like, financial decision on what they're going to do. Okay. I'm happy. That's exactly what I do too. Another lesson I've learned the hard way, but you know, there would be a whatever washing machine wasn't working or something. And I would just tell the owner, Hey, I'll take care of it. I'm your property manager. I'll schedule the repair and everything. And then we'd run into issues where they'd be like, well, why is it this much when I ask for reimbursement? And I'm like, yeah, I I went through three quotes. Like I got you who I could And they'd be upset with me for handling it, you know, and now I'm just like, here are the contacts. I will help you find somebody. I'll be happy to work with a schedule. Like I'll tell you when guests are in and out so you can get the repairman in, but I cannot be involved with things. Like I've just made it very clear that my role is to assist with the 
hosting portion of things. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Read your contract again. What are your duties as a co-host? You literally must like guest. Yeah. Coordinating cleans and like yes, pricing. Yeah. Pricing, another, coordinating, cleaning. That's I, it. I another really that. good thing you could put in your contract as a co-host is like, I'll handle any maintenance under a thousand dollars or under 500. If yeah. it's like a roof leak and no, I'm not. Yeah. I, I'm also, I literally have told clients like I'm your co-host. I'm not a handy woman. Like I have mm-hmm. no idea what washer you need, nor do I want to refer what washer you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People just, I guess we should take it as a compliment, but like so many owners ask me for like everything. And I'm just like, what makes you possibly think I'm qualified to like fix your garbage disposal? Like, I guess I should be flattered, but Girl, no, like I will, here is somebody you can call for this and you need to arrange for this repair. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I would love to talk to you about numbers. If you're willing to open up here, is there a minimum amount that you want a property to bring in monthly for you to take it on? And I know LA is probably, is it actually, I don't know. Is LA a seasonal market or is it pretty consistent? Pretty consistent. Very consistent. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like you would think my my gut instinct is like, oh, the summers will be the busiest, but it's like there's business. Like you said, it's Silicon Beach. Like there's people living it's there year round. Off. I so. mean, summer obviously is like our busier season. Like July's always bonkers, yeah. but and when August is slow, but honestly, it's very well rounded. And the good thing is, I always tell my owners too, like take advantage of like the high July you know, the high October, the high September, because that's going to carry you into like the slow August, the slow February. Okay. Okay. So what are the numbers that you're seeing? Like what's, what's a high month for you and what's a low month? And is there something that you're like, is there a property you wouldn't be willing to take if you feel like it can only do so much? Well, the good thing is that we're in LA. So no property should be under $150 per night, even for a one bedroom. Like there should be no reason for that. I guess our average home brings in around 10,000 per month. Yeah, per month. Okay. Like we even have one bedroom condos that could get 7 to 8 a month. Like it's kind it's really high numbers to be honest with you. And And what commission do you take? So for MTRs we take 15%. Okay. Cuz let's be honest, it's less work. Less work. Okay. If the house can bring in more than $650 a night, we're going to knock it down to 18%. Okay. And your normal baseline is 20? And then everything in between is 20. Okay. Got it. 2018, 15. Okay. What would you do in a case where, I don't know if you've ever had this. Have you ever had like a short-term rental that gets booked for a month as a midterm stay? Would you adjust the commissions? Yeah. Yeah. We'll adjust it. It's in their contract. Okay. We'll adjust the commission for that. So obviously owners love when that happens and- it also sucks when they get 28 days booked and I don't care. <laughs> like it's, we still have to stock it for 28 days, you know? Yeah. Good for you. Okay. How are you processing payments? Are you added as a co-host on their Airbnb listings? Yeah. Or so this like- is very important to pay attention to your regulations. In California, you cannot be a property manager without being a broker. Mm-hmm. And that means we cannot hold funds. And that's like the biggest thing. Like it's literally illegal. You cannot do it. So we actually route all payment to our homeowner and then we bill our homeowner at the end of the month. Okay. Are you, do you have your owners listed on Verbo, Airbnb, all the OTAs, everything? VRBO, it depends on the property. 
Okay, because I know Airbnb has the split commission structure built in, but if you're on multiple platforms, it's probably too complicated. Yeah, so we just built the end of the month. They got all the money up front. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, like, aren't you scared? They're not going to pay you. And I'm like, I know where these people live. We have a contract. I'm not scared. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be scared of that. But yeah, please make sure like you're not holding funds and you're not supposed to hold funds. Yeah. So you call yourself legally a co-host, not a property manager. Okay. Right. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> yes. And then what, when you're billing them at the end of the month, do you also, so that's when you collect your commission. Are you also getting reimbursements for cleaning yes. or, okay. So you do not pay cleanings out of your commission. No. Oh my gosh. No. Okay. <laughs> it's all okay. Separate. But we do pay our cleaners because our cleaners are, I guess, our contractors and our employees yes. are our contractors. So we pay them and then the client reimburses us. Perfect. I do the same. And also my cleaners want to be paid every day. The moment they're done cleaning, oh, no. they're like, where's money? <laughs> I'm yeah, like, okay, so I'll know you right now. So we had to stop that. We had to literally explain to them, like we manage all these homes. You clean five of those homes, right? So they, everyone gets paid on Sunday. Oh, okay. Okay. You, so you do have multiple, you have to have multiple cleaners. Oh yeah. We have, we have about six full time. Okay. And they're like, they literally don't even have other clients because we keep them so busy. And then we have like nine, like three on the back burner that like come in and help us when needed. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. We have one cleaner. I mean, it's a couple, they work together, but they want to be paid at the end of each day. And it's easy. I'm just like, okay, you did three houses times our cleaning rate. I'll Venmo them every day. But I feel like if you had that many, you would go insane. Yeah. Yeah. Do you also at the end of the month, bill your owners to reimburse for like toilet paper and supplies and stuff? So actually we include that. Oh, you do? Okay. I'll tell you why. It is chaotic hunting down a homeowner to send me toilet paper. Chaotic. So I just decided they could just, we are going to eat that cost. It's a really good expense for our business anyways. So we supply the normal paper goods, the hand soap, the dish soap, sponges, all of that, everyday stuff. Mercedes, you don't understand how I'm like grinning ear to ear right now because we did the exact same thing. I used to have them reimburse me for everything and I did I would do a Costco run and what was so difficult for me was because I would buy like a gallon of shampoo and then I'd go around to each unit and like top off the shampoo thing. I would buy, you know, a whole pack of toilet paper and only need to leave like six rolls in this unit and three rolls in that unit and then I was like how do I even itemize this. And so we actually raised our commission slightly, but I now include everything. And that was the same. That's so funny to hear you say that because it, it, it makes the same learning lesson we had yeah. to go through. And like, people are like, oh, you're crazy doing that. And I'm like, it's 50 bucks a month. If that, yeah. like yeah. we're getting paid 20% commission for a house that's bringing in a literally 10 to $15,000 a month. Yeah, the least I can do is buy your toilet paper. <laughs> yes, and it's true. It is a good expense. I put that all on my credit card, and I have I'm like yeah. happy to pay it and rack up and get those credit card points and everything and be reimbursed. That's I had no idea you were going to say that, but that's the exact same yeah. learning curve I had to go through. It's so funny talking to you because I feel like you keep like every single thing you've hit on is like, oh, I used to do this, and then I learned to do this. I used to do this, and I learned this, and I'm like, me too. So there's clearly a, like, when you've been doing it long enough, there's a right way that you learn to do things. I think I'm learning every single day. Like yeah. literally I'm redoing my contract again for like the fifth time. Like there's so many things I just want to like, keep adding in and like you just keep learning and 
as any business owner, like it doesn't matter what business you're in, like there are days you get totally screwed over and it's your own fault. And you're like, I didn't prevent that. I didn't Mm -hmm. think that was going to happen to me. Like, and I just think now you have to like think smarter. And like, I think I say every day, I'm like, oh my God, I've seen it all. And I'm like, I have so much more to see because things just keep happening. So yeah. I'm curious when you rewrite your contract, what is your protocol there? Do you immediately have the owners resign and say we had to update something? Can you take a look? Or are you like once a year we renew it and here are the changes? Typically once a year, like middle of the year. Okay. Okay. And it's not um, like major changes, like especially for pre-existing, it's more for like the onboarding process. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I feel like there's nothing ever major to change. It might just be like, we're going from a $500 repair ceiling to 750. Like there's just certain things that you learn. Yeah. What do you do in the cases where, like you just said, there are days where there's screw ups and you know, it's on you. Let's say, okay, perfect example. And I literally just had this happen. If the guest complained that the cleaner didn't do a good job or something, and you had to send the cleaner back in, would you, if the cleaner wanted, or I guess, how would you handle that? Would you make the cleaner go back in for free? Would you pay the cleaner again? If you pay them again, would you pay it or would you have the owner reimburse it? It, Again, oh my God, this industry is so great. It really depends. If like the owner, I mean, the cleaner clearly forgot to change the sofa bed out. Yeah. Clearly. That's on her. Okay. And usually like they're very apologetic and like, at the end of the day, this is a human to human business. Like stuff's going to get messed up. It, it is what it is. However, if it's like, oh, oh my gosh, I don't know. Like the, there's some guests that are just so picky. They're like, yes. oh, like the baseboards are a little dusty or like there was like some coffee grounds like on the counter, like on the corner that I'm like, okay, would you like me to send the cleaner? Like, is it going to make your life like a lot better? And if that, then I'll pay for it. I'm not going to have like the okay. homeowner pay for it. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm in the same boat. Like if I, I feel like usually with cleaning things, I feel like it's my responsibility to like manage the cleaner. So if there's an issue with that, like I will pay it out of my commission. But there's other things where like if the, you know, I don't know if the refrigerator broke or something during the stay and that warrants a refund, I would make the owner, if we're going to refund the guest, that's, you know, the owner's appliance that failed. So yeah, it's tricky to like outline those things. Do you, do you have all of that in your contract? Like when different refunds are warranted? I've added it. I I should probably add, but I guess we, here I am like kind of contradicting myself. Like, I haven't had that really happen to us, but like it could happen. Right. Yeah. So add it. Cause I've add had it. it. I've had it. Cause like we, like I said, like I'll reimburse things for like cleaning issues. Cause I'm like, I, I own that. I manage the cleaners. If there's something with that, or even like we've had the cleaner took an hour longer extra, you know, like they were just backed up that day and the guests had to check in late. I will like reimburse the guest something for the inconvenience of a late checkout or a late check-in and I'll cover that because right. I, I messed up the scheduling, but I've then had issues where the guest needs a refund because like whatever the fridge broke, like I said, and the owner is almost like, well, you've reimbursed them in the past. Why are we responsible for this? And I'm like, oh, now I have to like explain that, you know, the appliances are your responsibility and yeah, put something yeah. in your contract. I think I'm going to add that in. We're yeah. really in process of doing that. <laughs> and also, I know you're like big on like not refunding and I am too. 
So, yeah. okay, let's talk about this. You really have to like kind of read the room, I think. So we had two girls check in. They're a little bit like younger. You know, they checked in. They're like, oh, like the tub needed like a bit, little bit more of a clean, right? And the owner actually saw that message. And the owner wrote me and she's like, hey, yeah, I went there the day and I agree. And I'm like, great, you should have told me. But nobody told me, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I actually, my girlfriend has an Etsy store and she made me these really cute like LA like printed like beer mugs like the cute like little with like the lip on them you know what I'm talking okay. about and they have like the little hands that like this they LA like that so yeah. I'm like okay let me just like run and like drop off like two like little cute like souvenir LA cups for these girls still got a bad review didn't mm-hmm. even say thank you for the gift and just read my message and ignored it so it's like you really have to like read the did room. you guys end up cleaning the tub no they said they took care of it Oh, they said, we're just letting you know, don't send anyone. We're cleaning. I, those are the worst. It's like, and why are you cleaning? No no so I was like, huh. Those ones are the worst to me. Like, do not complain to me if then you're going to be like, oh, but I took care of it. Then why are you bringing it up? Like, I'm here to solve your problems. And if you're not going to let me, I don't want to hear about it. I know. They didn't want to clean uh, our coming in. So yeah, I mean, did like, they ask for a refund? No, or... but what I'm saying is, like, don't just automatically be like, oh my God, so sorry, let me refund you $125 cleaning fee. Like, yeah, there, you could do little gifts. You could do, like, you could buy what Libby put by the lattes that morning, like in our yes. Tuesday group. Like, that's yeah. so smart. Like, you could do so much more than just refund people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm big on this. I'm very, refunds are like a last, last, last resort for me. Yeah. yeah I just like to address the issue head on there was I actually did an Instagram post about this like salt try to actually solve the problem and one girl commented and said she had an issue where wi-fi was down at her unit and a guest needed to get she had a zoom meeting that she couldn't miss and so this owner called a coffee shop next door and did like a $50 prepaid gift card and like checked in with the cafe owner like is your wi-fi there can you reserve a table in the corner And she said the guest hung out there for like hours while they had an internet guy come in and repair everything. And I just like that, I was like, yes, like this is how you're actually solving a problem and getting ahead of it. If you just refunded her and said, here's a hundred bucks back for the Wi-Fi being down, she still can't make her Zoom meeting. Like this is how you actually are solving the the problem and so yeah she's gonna remember that like she's gonna Mm -hmm. be like oh my god it's one time I was like on vacation this Airbnb host did that and like I'm sure she's gonna compare all her next Airbnbs like to this host yeah yeah I just I love like the problem solving like you can really get ahead of it and not just like throw money at the problem I don't know I know a lot of hosts think that that's the way to like shut their guests up but I think it's just to me, it's like so dismissive. It's like, wait, no, I actually have a Zoom meeting I need to make. Can yeah. you help me? Like, what What am I going to do with a hundred bucks back? I so, agree. yeah. Okay. So back to talking about numbers. Can we like roughly, okay, so you're doing anywhere from 15, 18 or 20% and your average is $10,000 a month and you have over 40 properties. Yeah. How well, much are you making a month, Mercedes? Well, Mercedes is not making that much. The business is making good money. Uh, right. <laughs> so it could range anywhere. We have 40 properties. We have to remember sometimes owners come, sometimes it's midterm, right. sometimes they're out of like in LA, their permits up. So like they can't be booking that month until the permit gets renewed. So yes, we have 40 properties, but I would think maybe 32, 33 are actually active every single month. Okay. So we're making anywhere from like 
30,000 to highest month could be like 50,000. Girl, without owning any property. No. Yeah. So we are literally just an asset to homeowners at this point. That's amazing. Do you personally want to own property or are you like, I found my thing. I don't want the, no, 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 definitely. We'll be buying property hopefully very soon. It's just, I mean, a matter of being sidetracked because the business has grown so much. Like we're onboarding, I guess like our average right now, we're onboarding like two to three properties every month. So we have like a really good, like consistent flow right now. I think, yeah, I was just like too busy building this little empire. So now I need to reevaluate and start finding our own investment properties. Where is most of your time going right now? Is it managing the existing portfolio? Is it onboarding or is it marketing to new owners? Right now, my time is really spent on onboarding new customers, new homeowners, new clients, and really going to the properties, meeting the new homeowners. So my time is like with our actual like portfolios. The business has like its own operation. That's on a flow. They're doing fantastic. Like reviews are up. It's going so well. So now we're just trying to find the best business out there, you know, capture them in and then get them onboarded as quickly as possible. This is like the busiest time of your co-host Mm because everybody wants that summer travel. So we are still getting calls that they're like, we have to have it up for 4th of July. Like we Mm got to get it up in a week. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So that's where our time is going right now. Okay. Usually what is the, in LA, like when you publish a listing, how long is it till it's getting booked? Like immediately, there's no slow Three days. Yeah. Okay. What's your average nightly stay? I know you're doing some midterms, but are people coming there for a couple nights, a weekend or? Yeah. I think right now too, we're seeing a lot of like more extended stays. Like people come and like they'll keep extending, which is awesome. We love that. I'm seeing that in Big Bear too. And I know now you are managing a couple in Big Bear as well, but my last few guests have been booking for like 11 days. And then on day nine, they'll be like, can I add four more? And I'm like, yeah, I guess like I think it's odd to me. Yeah, we're seeing like a lot of more like local, not local, but like semi-local guests. So like people are driving in. I guess when you drive, there's more flexibility. Like you don't have to catch a flight. So I think that's why we're seeing a lot of the more extended stays. But I would think right now like a four to five nights, pretty much our average. Okay. I mean, our midterms, gosh, we have some really great midterms right now. Like we have an eight-month one. We have a six-month one right now. So we have some really good ones. How much are those ones paying per month? Oh my gosh, we have one house that's making twelve thousand a month. That's on an eight month contract, so that's that's big. Wow. We have yeah. a few luxury condos that are getting forty eight hundred. Okay, that's really good for a one bedroom condo. Yeah, forty eight hundred. And there's nothing really to manage there. You got them in the one time, and no, I just for go. your for your midterm stays. Are you restocking? Do you come in like every thirty days and give them toilet paper? They're on their own. Only if they ask. If they ask, then of course. How much uh, would you stock for them to start if they're there for like six months? I mean, typically we just buy like the Costco size, like what that's like 48 that. rolls or like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I think typically I do, we've not hosted many midterm stays, but I think I gave them like 28 days worth of stuff. And then yeah. it was like, you're on your own. When on that your own. Yeah. And we'll do like one big pump of like you know, body wash, shampoo, conditioner. Yeah. That's typically what you provide, like if they're there for eight months, like they're going to buy what they like. Yeah. Yeah. True. You're kind of just helping them get started and then they're yeah. going to end up like moving in. Correct. Sort of. 
Okay. Exactly. And then our other midterms, we have a house getting like about 9,800. So yeah, they're just like in the double digits. They're doing really good. I, how the hell is somebody paying $12,000 a month to just live in LA for eight months? What do you know? Like who these clients are, like what they do? Yeah. I mean, we've had some high clientele people stay with us. Like we've had, Clearly. Like, <laughs> yeah, we've had like somebody like from the Lakers stay with us who was here for training camp and then like got signed on. Like that was huge. And they just become our clients. Yeah. Like literally, like we we're so fortunate now that we have our regulars that just text me like, what do you have? Like they don't even go on Airbnb. They're like, what do you have? Where can I stay? One of your properties? Like, I'm not even going to bother. Wow. And if we don't have availability, which like right now we're strapped. Like I have like one house that's available in Venice. Like the rest are like booked and busy. I will reach out to like partners here in LA. I guess other people have Airbnbs and I'll try to like find them. And like that way we can also get a finder's fee. Like there's so many different avenues you could do with this co-hosting thing. So I know you have personal goals to invest. Would you do that under the MBX homes, like business umbrella, or that's just like you yeah. on the side? No, okay. no, no. Yeah, I would, you would keep it all in under the business. Okay. Okay. Would there be, I'm wondering like what the, maybe you'd have to talk to like a CPA, but I wonder if there's like tax implications of like hosting your own property or something or getting a better. Yeah. I think at that point we need to talk to like a business manager. Right. Like maybe you have everything else under like an LLC, but you could do like umbrella pulse. I don't, I yeah. don't even know all this, but okay. Just wondering on that. And then what are the goals for your co-hosting business? Like, do you want to get a hundred properties or just like keep, keep onboarding as long as it's going well? Yeah. I think like our sweet spot could be like 75 properties. Okay. And I kind of like, I guess, call me like a four season snob. Like I drink the water, <laughs> drink the Kool-Aid, but like, I just don't think our properties are like holiday ends. Like we're not on every corner. Like mm-hmm. we have like really great properties and really great numbers. And like, we need to kind of like keep that caliber and just have like a really good product. Yeah. Okay. And I think I 75 would really be like that sweet spot. And then like eventually branch off and do like we could do like motels. We could do like, we could do so much more, but like, as far as like Airbnb, single family homes in LA, I think 75 would be awesome. Yeah. All throughout LA County. Does that, that doesn't include like the big bear ones you have or where else did you say? You said big bear and big bear, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Why um, there? People just, just write us on like Instagram. I'm like, why not? Like we could give it a try. Okay. Okay. Is it tough having the one-offs? Like I feel like in LA you have like your whole cleaning protocol and everything. I've turned down. People have like reached out to me to manage stuff. And it's like, I've got my big bear like so systemized and I just don't even want to take the random one-off properties. Yeah. I mean, it kind of like depends on like the risk, especially if they're like, oh, I already have my cleaning crew. I already have this. I'm like, oh, like I got to now learn their style. They're not necessarily going to learn our style. So Mm -hmm. that could be different. It's okay to say no to. And I think that's something that like took me a long time to realize. I'm like, it's okay to deny business. Yeah. Yeah. How much is the Cincinnati one bringing in? Like, is it, frankly, is it worth it on its own? Yeah. (laughs) It's not worth it. Okay. Uh, But again, it came from Instagram. Like, yeah. I don't know, like there's so many other factors that kind no, of I know. go and into it. You never know. It, that could be the one property that like launches MBX homes in Cincinnati, you know, yeah, and like yeah. maybe word of mouth, you'll end up having 15 there in the next year. And then it's this whole 
operation that's working. Yeah. So I think it's still good you took a chance. But yeah, I think it's good to like check back in regularly and just be like, is this one really like aligned with like we said with homeowners, you know, it's sometimes you just got to do like a gut check and just check in if it's actually and your gut's always right. Always. Even with cleaners. Like if you have like oh. a one weird, just one little thing, like you're probably right. Yeah. It's right with cleaners, guests, owners, the home, the market. Like you got to listen to that intuition for sure. Uh, Mercedes, it was such a joy talking to you. You've literally like reinforced every lesson I've learned about co-hosting. So it's just so funny to like, I didn't know where this conversation was going to go, but I feel like we just like bounced off each other with all the same things. Is there anything you want to just leave people with how to connect with you or I don't know, some learning lesson or advice you want to leave with us? No real advice, but I guess it's okay to say no. It's okay to listen to your gut feeling and you're probably always going to be right <laughs> if you do those things. And you guys could follow us on MBX Homes on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Perfect. We'll link all of that below. Thank you so much. Thank you, Natalie. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, we have a host who shared a screenshot of a message that she had to send her guest uh, upon discovering her guest was walking around nude on the property. Here is the message, and she literally just posted it and said, here's some hilarity for you to enjoy. She messaged her guests, you cannot walk around naked outside. I am sorry, but you need to put your clothes on immediately and please do not do that again. In addition, please clean up all the stuff outside the tiny home as soon as possible. Someone just booked the other tiny house and we don't feel it's right for them to come see all the mess. Please put the stuff back in your car or your tiny house. And somebody in the comments said, excuse me, please spill the tea. What is the backstory here? To which the host replied, this guest was legitimately just walking outside with no clothes on. My other guests, it sounds to me like they have like multiple tiny homes on the premises because there's other guests who were there. So this was not just in the privacy of a backyard. This was like a communal type situation with multiple tiny homes. So she says, my other guests messaged me. So I check the camera and the other guest is yelling, put your effing clothes on. It's all to see on the cameras too. And my husband quickly saw... She acts as if she doesn't understand why it's a big deal. She also has a three-year-old with her. For fun, I called Airbnb, knowing that they really never help, and I asked, how can I assure that this woman can't leave me a review since she is not only violating my policies, but violating the law? Airbnb said we will have the safety team contact you within 48 hours. And some follow-up questions from guests were, what do you mean she's violating the law? And this woman said that where she's located, public nudity is seen as public pornography, I guess. And since this was a situation with multiple tiny homes, it's considered public. So yeah, I don't know. Is this woman going to be arrested now? I just, uh, that is that is one thing I, I luckily have not had to do as a host yet, but this made me laugh. I've I have yet to have to send a message to tell my guests to put their clothes back on for walking around nude. And this is so, wait, actually, oh my God, you guys, I actually did have this happen. Oh my God. I am literally just remembering right now about the story of when my one guest got arrested. He was being chased around the complex in the nude, but 
I guess I didn't focus on that because that part was the least of my worries with my guests getting arrested. I completely forgot. Oh my God, I've literally had this happen. I've literally had a guest run around my condo complex butt naked. <sighs> wow. This just goes to show you guys, everything that seems like a big deal in the moment, you will forget about it. You'll forget about it and you will laugh about it one day. I swear, when I was going through that situation with that guest who got arrested, I thought nothing would top that. And now I barely even remembered. I had to read this story to remember that the same thing happened to me. Wow. There you go. If anybody else has had a guest run around your property naked, uh, send me a message. I, f I feel like me and this woman at this rate cannot be the only two that this has happened to. Before I ever started hosting, I would have told you you're crazy if you said I would have this experience. But here I am. And it's so normal that I almost forgot it even happened. So I'm sure that this has happened to one of you. Please DM me if it has. I, I would love to hear the story. Uh, and of course, you know, to, to end this segment, the Airbnb hole in this situation is this guest who is running around flashing her Airbnb hole all over the property. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye.